Ladies and gentlemen, we have a Crazy Funny Asians exclusive behind the scenes interview with one of the hottest ovation recommended play Asian American representation matters awesomeness. The Chinese lady. And I have the Chinese lady here with me in the Burbank studios, Miss Amy Shoo. I told you it was like boxers. <laughs> I wanted to first say congratulations because, I mean, when I saw you after the play last night, I just said, tour de force. This, you, you guys, you will, this is, this podcast is going to come out on the Monday before their closing weekend. So it gives you a great opportunity to get tickets and come see this lady and see this amazing performance and this amazing story before it closes. Because, wow, it is incredible. I've learned, I learned so much. Mm -hmm. I was laughing. I was crying. I was, it it was such a beautiful story. And, and I didn't even realize that yeah. she was the first. Yeah. Allegedly. I mean, there was the first on record. Sure. Afang Moy is right. the right. first Chinese lady. Tell me about that. Tell me about your experience finding this character because your performance is incredible. It spans, what, 70 years? Like uh, what? About, about, about? About 70-ish years or more. Yeah, no, you never know. I mean, and that's, we could talk about that too, right, but right. first, tell me right. discovering this character. Like, when you when you yeah. first got the play, when you first knew you were going to get the character, you were first going to do it, tell me about what you, your first things that connected you to this character. Yeah, um, well, first of all, when I was cast, or even like before casting uh, the audition process, I had to do research on her, because mm-hmm. growing up, as a SoCal Native American, or not Native American, but a Native, right? And mm-hmm. um, in history classes, I had never heard yeah. of Afang Moy. And uh, even, I don't even think in my Asian American studies class in college did I even... I didn't even have an Asian American studies well, class, girl. I that was not. because I made the choice. To yeah, no, no and right? we didn't have we didn't even have that elective when I was oh. in school because I'm, I'm a little older than you oh. are, so... Yeah, I mean, I basically had an Asian American studies esque oh. kind of thing because I geared it towards that because I just chose the right. books that I chose because I was a political science major, ah. and so I just chose Asian American history and right. historical that facts and stuff. Sense. Yeah, exactly. Right. And so I didn't, but I didn't know about Afam. Yeah, and so I had to do research, and uh, there is a new book out about her. I think written by a Smithsonian kind of. Uh, academic, which I have not read yet, but just pulling up articles and I'm at the university right now, so I can have access to all these academic articles Mm -hmm. and everything. Um, And so I had a research about her and there actually isn't a ton about her because it was from the 1830s, Mm -hmm. you know, and at a certain point, there's just no record of her. Sure, so, sure. I mean, there wasn't, you know, they, they didn't have iPhones or <laughs> <laughs> she wasn't tweeting right. about her experience. Right. Right. But but at the same time, it, it, it was so cool the way that the concept of the play was set up. Mm-hmm. 
um, as a hip hop fan, mm-hmm. we were talking about it when right. you got, when right. you got here. It reminded me a lot of the Midnight Marauders album from T- Tribe Called Quest, where they have this almost computer ethereal esque kind of entity that gets right. into the mind of the the listener, right. but also into the mind of the the artists. Right. right. And it's once you lend yourself to the environment it's mm-hmm. it's a beautiful and and then it, it, the way that you jump from historical facts to characters to right. jumping the years it's right. it's really uh, it, it's a very ethereal play yes but it's it's so wonderful to see yes. it tell me about your process tell me about yeah. like how that how did you come about like when did you I know as an actor, it's hard because you, you you had a lot of lines to learn. My goodness. So um, memorization is definitely a process. That is a actor, process. Each actor has their own process. I memorize lines more on my feet and through the blocking and rehearsal process. Me too. But this production was so much uh, sitting. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, because you're in a box. Yes. I mean, that's yeah. the meta of this whole play. Yes. Like, you're in a box. Yes. That we're watching you in a box, yes. and it's a play about you in a box. It's so, so... It was a lot for me. It was mm-hmm. a lot of, like, research and then memorization and then understanding of what I'm saying and memorizing lines in the car, <laughs> in the shower, all, any <laughs> moment that I had. It's true. Like, going over lines and the script was literally everywhere with me. Mm-hmm. Um, and How long was the rehearsal process? It's, uh, it was about three weeks, okay. um, including the tech. So I think something a lot. Wow. So that, I mean, that's a quick two weeks right. to learn the show and then be in tech is pretty wild. Right. So I... In, Oh, yeah, so there's three weeks of rehearsal in tech. But then, okay. But I was working full-time and then transitioned into uh, starting... You also working on your MFA? MFA program. So it really was like finding any pocket of time to to sit and look at the lines, read the lines, say the lines out loud, you know. It's, and for me, it really is like when I understand what I am saying, then it clicks and the, the memorization happens easier. You know what was also impressive to me about the play was it's just the two of you, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you and True, and yeah. wow, it's right. you guys can with just the two of you span this whole seventy year history, and in, in the case of True's character, you almost you don't know about his character, and, and, and that's almost the tragedy of his character right. is that you don't know his story, and yeah. he alludes to the fact that he's so inconsequential, and it's. Oh, and then when you hit, I mean, I'm not going to spoil anything for anybody, but when one, once the, 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 the train starts rolling, man, cause you, you, you start to think about all these people mm-hmm. who came here mm-hmm. in search of a better life right. and right. Wow. Yeah. And, and we don't think about Asian Americans being here in the United States from this far early in the true, history of true. the United States, right? And there are so many stories out there that we don't know about. Like we were saying, we didn't know about these stories. And um, it's sad to know that like, she was the first uh, Chinese-American woman yeah. you know, to set foot in America. But there were a lot of men already here working sure. on the railroads, uh, being 
merchants and stuff like that. And even I learned that my grandfather, great-grandfather, came during the early 20th century. Wow. But this story happens even before the early 20th century. And so, but my great-grandfather came and then um, wanted to come back. And my grandfather was still, like, in China and Taiwan. So so I'm technically still second-generation Chinese-American, I guess. But uh, just thinking about, yeah, there's this long history of... And so many untold stories. Yeah. yeah. And in the case of you, it, it had to be told in a, almost an ethereal sense because right. she didn't have any documentation. Right, right. Did you as an actor then, through the process, have to almost draw from your own personal experience in a lot of ways? Like, were there times in the play that you could empathize with her? Yes, definitely. And, you know, these are historical figures, but at the same time, I, in the process, I had to remember, like, and it is a kind of stylized way of presenting this story, but I have to remember that she's still a human being, this 14-year-old girl. Yeah. She's a 14-year-old girl. At the beginning of the play, she's a 14-year-old girl full of innocence and wonder. and and so that was the way to connect of, like, how... Thinking of myself as a fourteen-year-old and who I was, and and also I work with young uh, young students, ranging you know from very young to high schoolers, and when I think about our fourteen-year-old students or children nowadays, they are more mature, but there's still that like this weird in between. I want to be an adult, but I'm still a child. Mm-hmm. All of those like conflicting uh, well it's a trip now because I, I I look at it from a standpoint because I have kids myself I yeah. have two I have two kids I have a nine-year-old and a mm-hmm. and a, and a four-year-old and in both cases you know they grew up with the internet the world at their fingertips yeah, yeah. Um, they have all the information that they need so yeah. it's not like you know where I grew up with the Dewey decimal system <laughs> <laughs> you know right, right. I mean we had to go to the library if we wanted to learn yeah, some stuff that library, <laughs> yeah and talk yeah. to the old late yeah. cranky old librarian yeah. that didn't want to talk to you anyway right. she was just trying to get her hour your hourly wage yeah. you know it was yeah. it was a different time so yeah. It, it, but it's still like they are human, and and generally we have not changed that. No, much. we. Ha- know, it, that's part of, of what's beautiful about stuff. this story yeah. is especially. And I don't want to give away the ending, but mm-hmm. it does allude to us here yes. Yes. in the present time and our responsibilities towards cultural sharing mm-hmm. and or a cultural appropriation. Like there's a line in the play that I was I was. I was t- talking to the uh, artists that play um, the producers, the producers mm-hmm. about the cultural appropriation line, and I couldn't remember it exactly, but it really hit me that there's right. there's a line of where you say something about being able to appropriate culture. It, uh, was it with the British? Yeah. About the tea. Yeah. 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 And it's yeah. just it, especially now, mm-hmm. how much the debate. Mm-hmm. Of what's cultural appropriation, what's cultural sharing, who right. gets to do it, and all right. these different things. It's it's a complex thing that is still going on and talking about what is the most respectful way to do that, you mm-hmm. know, or if it should be even done, you know. Um, but yeah, this is a historical play, but definitely it is uh, Lloyd Sa, uh, who's a playwright. Mm-hmm. He has done a beautiful way of 
making oh. it relatable to now and so and, relatable and it's yeah. necessary for yeah. now of what is going on in our country right now truly truly um, so it's definitely a lot it is a history lesson um but it is not the history of the classroom where you're just being told well and are engaged we i don't know I, I don't know yeah uh, i didn't get this type of history in my classroom <laughs> no but seriously right. we had to seek right. this this type of history out, right. you know, for, to the the lucky, not even lucky, the the amazing people who researched and sought this history yes. out. Because I yes. mean, there are a lot of people who, who they wrote a lot of books, right. and those books were the ones that actually kept us, you know, in the in the history. Right. And now to now reinterpret that history in a way where we can all. Relate to it. Relate to it. It's pretty cool. Right. And I, I've always had this weird like or uh, attraction to history. Mm-hmm. Oh, me too. And it wasn't until I was an adult when I was reflecting on what books I liked as a child. Because mm-hmm. reading was a struggle for me. Um, and I remember the first book that actually when I read and it came alive was actually Johnny Tremaine, which is a story about a boy in the Revolutionary mm-hmm. War era. Sure. And then I thought back and I was like, oh, and I love the American Girl series, and that's also historical fiction. Mm-hmm. And so this play is just like one of my <laughs> dreams come true to be oh, part yeah. of like, uh, it is not fiction in some sense. Um, Lloyd did have to use his creative imagination. Well, you do because there mm-hmm. wasn't enough. You can, right. the, right. As much as you would love to have had all the wealth of facts and right. documents and dresses and everything, right. you had to kind of guess a little right. bit. Right. So there was a like going back to the His imagination is wonderful, right. my goodness. Yeah. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I have not read or seen any of his other things yet, but I have heard that his other work is a, a lot of mon- more like monologue mm-hmm. or um, narrative things. Um but I'm excited to to know more of his stuff. Maybe now let me ask you. I wanna I wanna yeah. know more about you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I wanna know how mm-hmm. you were able to like. What was your what's your background in acting? Mm-hmm. Like what what led you to the, like what brought you to the Chinese lady? Because I know there's a story behind that. Because. Right. I know every, just every person that sits in that chair yeah. has got an interesting story on how they got to their success because it's, it's a different road for us. Yes, it's not played out. <laughs> <laughs> there might be some markers. But that's no. why some of the, that's why right. these stories can be so crazy. That's why I love sharing them. Yeah. So. Um, so growing up, I'm a SoCal native, mm-hmm. uh, and. Growing up, it's very typical, like, Chinese-American family, pretty conservative, but not the most extreme. Um, but I grew up pretty shy and not really wanting to be in front of people. Sure. Um, and it wasn't until I was in college, I was actually on my on my path to get my multiple subject credential in teaching mm-hmm. in elementary school. And then I had to take, you know... Teaching's a big part of your life, yeah. Teach, yes, yes. And so, um, and children and the young and the future and everything. But when when I had to take GEs, I was like, well, I'll take theater. I'll try that, right? Just theater 101, like the history of it. I'm going to, you and know, then, there's got to be something in this podcast for the... Asian American elective choice because <laughs> straight up you're like oh maybe I'll just take this 
elective right here and then fall in love with the thing that I'm doing. Right. And I think it's, you know, growing up, we didn't see Asian Americans on television or any experiences with that. So it's always like, well, I'll try it. And I do remember when I was in eighth grade having the choice to do theater, uh, but I was too shy and too nervous and, and all these other ideas of what an actor is. Sure. That are kind of false now, thinking back of it. Um, and I got scared, and I was like, I will continue in the visual arts. And I did calligraphy. No, I feel <laughs> you. Know? Yeah, um, yeah. And that was my artistic outlet was visual arts. And I definitely feel like it's benefited me. But um, when I think back, I'm like, what if I was an artist, like a performing artist at an earlier age? What mm-hmm. kind of live career would I have or who I would be? But ultimately, I know this was the path the route that I had to take for myself. But, um, yeah, so I just started taking it, but the good Chinese girl, I had to finish my BA. I was already in a credential program, so I was like, I gotta finish my teaching credential, do the right thing, have the stability of it, but after graduating and working full-time, I was going back to school to get administrative education. And Mm -hmm. so I was like, what the hell? I'm going to just take a theater class because I like it and yeah. just for fun. And I just started taking over and over and over. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah. And one step to the next. Of, and how wonderful would it be that someone who's wanted to teach and now. Yeah. I, my buddy Gio Ortega um, was on the show um, and he's also a teacher. I mean, I have a lot of, te- there's a lot of like uh, Jennifer Chang is also a professor um, yeah, and, yeah. and Rodney Tso is also a professor. Right. And, and, I to me you guys are the most important. Oh, thank no, you. for real, because it's not even just the idea of you teaching our youth. Mm-hmm. It's someone with your face mm-hmm. as an authority figure as mm-hmm. far as art goes right. and, and, and setting the parameters for our future artists. It's really a wonderful thing to see because as a as a you know I, like you just said, coming up as a young artist yeah. in our time, it was a different thing. Yeah. You and, know? And yeah, and I over the years of acting and continuing to be in the education field, I was never a full-time teacher in a classroom, mm-hmm. um, though I have my credential and stuff like that. I've always been in the school systems, and I eventually had an opportunity to go out to Milwaukee, Wisconsin mm-hmm. to uh, be a, a teaching artist fellow at First Stage, which is a theater for young audiences. Oh, I know First there. Stage. Oh, you do? Yeah, and I'm from Chicago, girl, so oh I'm all goodness. Midwest. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Everybody's like, where's uh, SoCal people? Where, where's Milwaukee? No, you know the thing, but, theater in the Midwest, theater all throughout this country, that's where it starts. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it really is yeah. like every, uh, it, there's no, <laughs> every, every single guest that I've had here yeah. has talked about how theater is where it begins for everyone. Yeah. You know, and and I feel like with first stage and a lot of theater for young audiences, what I love about it is that they use children's literature to bring uh, young people into the into the theater mm-hmm. because they read it and they get to see like wonderful wonderful performances of what this could be, and it just sparks this imagination as they read mm-hmm. their own imagination and like what does that look like and. Um, I think one of my uh, mentors had said something like, there's some articles that say when they cut 
the arts out of the education system, it really hinders reading because you need creative ideas to read because otherwise they're, they are just these symbols on the page. I, I, my daughter is nine. She's in fourth mm-hmm. grade right now. So right. it's not necessarily, we're, we're not in a struggle. She's a, she's a very, very good, good girl. She's a very good student. Yeah. But at the same time, it's hard for them to read and I know for myself I'm a very visual learner yeah me too and I remember it's funny because our careers are very similar because when I was in Chicago and in, in, in working in the theater mm-hmm. I worked in a lot of arts integration programs mm-hmm. where you would integrate yeah. acting or improv techniques or improv visual visualization exercises mm-hmm. to reading comprehension and mm-hmm. science comprehension mm-hmm. because like you said you need your imagination right. you need right that part of your brain to unlock the right. different the words so it's there's there's more more behind the words than just the words you're not just right. memorizing right. right and like yeah. i said it's it's an essential thing that it's it, and it's a wonderful thing that you're finishing up your mfa now right i am i i'm in my second year so i have uh, this year and one more year uh and you now. memorize in like 90 minute plays spanning 70 years <laughs> goodness gracious <laughs> Uh, what's with all these multitasking Asians I have on this show? I, Every, you know, yeah, I mean, in LA, you have to be, you have to wear a lot of hats but, for sure. You but. know that. Speak to that because I, I really do feel like we have to be everything to stay yeah. in this game for the long haul. To be in it as a, as a career, right. you kind of have to wear, like you said, a lot of hats. Yeah, and I mean. In the Asian American community, definitely yes, but also I think in LA in general, yeah. to be an artist, everybody is wearing multiple hats. Very few get to be like the A-lister, you know, and that's that's the hope, you know. Sure. Day. But I think if I ever made that kind of success, I still think I would be like having my hands in everything else too. I don't think. And I, I think they are. You know, you you know, you when you when you when you when you reach down into the there's a lot of these A-listers that are. You know, yeah. producing plays and produ- yeah. and producing small films and all these different things because yeah. if you, if if you're in it for that, right, it's you're gonna it's gonna be hard. Right. But if you're in it for storytelling mm-hmm. and you're in it for sharing your experience mm-hmm. and you're in it to be in the moment in the in this on stage, mm-hmm. then it's then you you'll find a lot of opportunity here. Like this play, yeah. I mean. I, I just quickly to speak on my personal experience, I remember the first time I was able to play a Filipino American mm. and tell a historically factual right. story in the romance of Magna Rubia. We were telling stories of the, you know, the uh, 1930s and 40s immigrant Filipino that, right. you know, faced the anti-miscegenation laws of California. And in that play, in that experience, one of the state assemblymen from California, mm. after one of our performances, came and gave an official apology from the California state wow. legislature. So you think we about just it. Got chills. Right? And oh, but wow. but it's but it's like when and I thought about that so much during your play mm. because it was just another untold story, an un, an untold an untold part of history that needs to be told. It right. needs to be shared, right. acknowledged and also in a lot of ways apologized for. You know yeah. what I mean? And I it's, mean this, I think this, this story of Apangmoy definitely, when you hear it, you realize, oh, you know, this is why, you know, Asian women are exotified. This is why mm-hmm. we're othered. This is why, like, these 
patterns of what we are experiencing in modern America, they, they were started, set. They were set in the expectation oh. of what, how to interact with each other mm -hmm. was set from way back when, and it's still affecting. I mean, the minstrels. Us now. You know, we, I was just listening to the uh, 1619 series on uh, the New York Times and, and the minstrel series on how, you know, the, the basically the American music started with mm -hmm. blackface mm -hmm. and cultural appropriation mm -hmm. and how your character is literally an exhibition. Right. And there's, I mean, every ethnicity has their own story of mm -hmm. subjugation and it's, 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 it's not a matter of. I don't think it's, for me, I love those stories. Yeah. Not because I'm celebrating in what happened. I'm, I like the idea that these, this is the real story. These are the facts. Mm -hmm. And we have to deal with these facts mm -hmm. because as a society, if we don't acknowledge what happened. Right. There's a, there's a quote from Jose Rizal. If, if we, uh, if we don't, know where we came from, we'll never get to our destination. I'm paraphrasing, but it's right. basically, if we don't know history, right. how are we ever really going to share cultures? If we don't, if we don't, if we don't acknowledge what, and, and ask the questions of what is cultural appropriation versus what is cultural sharing, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. what are we doing? And that's, and this play asks that, those questions yeah. brilliantly and you are brilliant in it. <laughs> So, listen, guys, this lady is a busy lady. She got lots to do. She got so many interviews. She got so many things to do. She's got closing weekend. I, wanted to, I didn't want to keep her here too long, but I also wanted you to hear her story because it is an incredible story. The Chinese Lady is an incredible play. If you have an opportunity and you are in the Los Angeles area, please, Amy, Give them all the information that they yes. need for this closing weekend of yes. the Chinese lady. So we uh, have a performance on Monday night, the 23rd. Nice. Um, that's a special evening. That's when this episode will come out. So you can literally, like virtually, listen to Amy tell her story and then go see the play. You can like listen to this podcast in your car. On, on the, the way, way. exactly, <laughs> and then it's gonna be like thirty minutes. So you leave, put it on right when you get in a car, and then drive because you know, every every drive here in LA is thirty minutes. Right. So you get there, boom, thirty minutes, right. and you're there, and then you can see Amy Ann. Great, and, and, and it will be at the Greenway Court Theater. Um, it's like on the corner of Melrose and Fairfax, and in Hollywood. And um, we have shows uh, Thursday night, Friday, Saturday, and then we close on Sunday. Um, but this production is being uh, produced by Artists at Play. In yes. Production with Greenway Court. Shout out to Artists at Play, yes. by the way. I'm awesome, awesomeness. Down since day one, y'all. Love you guys. Artists at Play. Guys, go see this play. It was wonderful. And it's a story that needs to be told and a story y'all need to hear. All right? This has been Miscellaneous Brown and Amy Shu. And this has been a crazy, funny Asians exclusive. It's a special episode. This isn't even like a numbered episode. This is like special, special, <laughs> special episode with Miss Amy Shu, the Chinese lady. Go see this play. I'm telling y'all, go and see this play. I didn't even swear once this whole episode. <laughs> that shit is crazy. Oh, there it is. <laughs>
Never mind. <laughs> I'm talking about plays. I feel all fucking refined. Anyway, this has been Miscellaneous Brown. We'll see you soon, y'all. Peace.